Hi there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Cloud-Based Mayhem. A couple brief little things of housekeeping here before we get into the show with Vesso, one of my favorites, and you're going to love this one. I uh, don't typically, I get contacted by a ton of people asking if I could put their event into the podcast, and I'm always very resistant to that because so many more people would do it. I don't like to use the platform for advertising. So I apologize in advance to all of you who have asked me to do that, and I've said no to because I'm about to do it for myself. But I guess if it's my own events, then I get a pass. Uh, just two quick things. We're doing the second X Red Rocks this September. Applications are now open. That's the biggest purse, prize purse, second only to the X-Alps, 5,000 for first in the pro class and down from there. We had an awesome event this year. Uh, it takes place at the end of September. This year it's September 30th through October 1st. And if you want to find out more, it's kind of a three-day stage race uh, modeled after the Iger, Verico, Borns to Fly and those, but it was is by far the biggest in North America and it was a blast last year and we're already ramping things up with a whole bunch of new sponsors and some cool stuff this year. So check it out if you want to take part in that. We've, we're going to be bringing a, a bunch of the big name international athletes over to this one and it's going to be a hoot. Monroe is an amazing place to fly and just awesome that time of year, super reliable. xredrocks.com is where you can find out more information about that. And the other one is we've got a U.S. Nationals slash pre-PWC all lined up, same place, Monroe, Utah, September 10th to 17th. That just went live on Air Tribune and Civil, and registrations will start for that April 1st. So if you're wanting to fly some big, high, huge distance tasks in a uh, race to goal format in a beautiful part of the world, and by far the most reliable place we fly out here in the Intermountain West, that's just man, kind of sandwiched in between Bryce and Escalante and Dinosaur and all those magnificent national parks out there in Utah. Uh, check that out. The Red Rocks Wide Open. This is, I guess I'm becoming an event organizer without planning any of that. So check those out. It'll be a lot of fun. My guest today, Vesso Opera. We haven't done many shows uh, as a repeat, but I had to get Vesso back onto the back onto the show. His history is, of course, Acro. That's what got him on with Red Bull. And he's got a fantastic website, Flying the Earth. He is the inventor, creator of the, uh, what is the harness? 3RS uh, base harness. So it's got a base harness, but Acro harness where it has two reserves and a cutaway base rig. It's really forward thinking and fantastic. And the Acro pilots are really loving it. We're hoping we talk about that and hoping to get some crossover with that into cross country. But I reached back out mostly to talk to Vesso about his XC. He has really been chasing that lately. He won X contest this year, no small feat with all the pilots around the world chasing it so hard in an, an awesome stint down in Brazil this last season, which got him on top of the X contest. And he's just smiling, awesome energy. I just love Vesso and he is more articulate than I am when it comes to in his second language in English. So we had a blast with this. We talk about cross country and acro, acro and his infinite world record and a whole bunch of other stuff and his harness, which is amazing. And a lot came out of this. We dove into some fun areas and I think you're really gonna enjoy it. So. Enjoy this chat, the second chat with Vesso Afkarov, Red Bull athlete. Cheers. Vesso, man, it's good to see your smiling face and uh, and and catch up. It's been a while since our first show. I've been wanting to do this for a long time, and the timing is perfect. Is I just had to watch you guys do all these epic this epic racing and jumping off buildings in Dubai you know I was supposed to be there with you all and I had to pull out at the last minute and man I had some serious at the beginning I was kind of you know when I saw that first ramp with all the gaps and I saw pal's comment that you know god someone's going to die I thought oh, okay I made the right decision but then man you guys made it look good that looked so nice in that evening flight when it wasn't the race anymore when everybody just went for a boat around the sky in dubai man that looked good and i i had some serious fomo going on last week 
same same uh, Gavin it's so nice to to hear you to see you and uh, it's been a long time I'm also very inspired from all the adventures you've been uh, doing and been following them closely it's, it's what a ride I mean we're still lucky to to can uh, follow this dream even with all the restrictions nowadays and uh, according to Dubai that was that was definitely one of the craziest and uh, most funny things for the year for me I was also not sure especially for the especially for the physical part I had a little minor injury the first one after more than 20 years of flying it came so silly for me on a simple landing simple landing hurt myself from the bush it was a metal there get to my leg you know so was that I was down at the world yeah that was just the end of August uh, actually oh. in the end of the summer and I missed the World Cup in Turkey and then I was barely ready for for Dubai and was like wow I can fly with this leg let's see but in fact it was not the leg you know which troubled me it was the breathing because uh, even the, the part of the physical part was so short was so intense that I'm not used to the sprint version of exercise I'm more of a you know long uh, slow walk with a weight on the shoulders like we used to hike you know but that was really a, a sprint discipline most of the time and uh i almost uh, fear for a heart attack it was so intense in the stairs <laughs> and it was it like looked, first you know, time this... hear the alarm in my head like and almost blacking out like oh no but nobody around even to help me some people behind the i, I was not last but still i felt like so alone there so in danger <laughs> and then the yeah you know was... and i mean <laughs> Some of you guys who really aren't, you know, all the time in the in the really hike and fly racing space, uh, you guys held your own, you know, Mickey Siegel and uh, Seb Espina. And, you know, I, I was impressed. It looked just viciously fast. This guy sent me a, a guy that listens to the the podcast all the time who was there, I think, helping with media and stuff. He sent me a video. He was running along with Kriegel one day. And I don't think I've ever seen Kriegel look that winded. You know, he was, he wasn't smiling. He was, he was throwing was down st- hard and every, it just looked, I wouldn't have done well there. I, I mean, I think I would have enjoyed the flying and the building stuff and that kind of thing, but I don't have that move either. You know, I'm close to 50. I can't sprint with those guys. It looked fast. It uh, actually it's incredible. Krieger was not top performing in the first two days, but he outstanding overall everybody. And, uh, you know, I think was uh, for me was very entertaining because even with the serious difference between the ability, the physical part, I could still be around these guys, you know, and uh, share the moment with them, which was very amazing. And he made a smart move. Uh, he made a suggestion to the organization not to put the takeoff of the building as a competition part because someone will rush it. And we will see something really nasty there. Uh, the potential was there, and uh, and they all agree that was really a vital moment that made the the flying way more pleasant and way more uh, accepted acceptable, even with the crazy condition, because there was no competition element there, and it was really funny. And uh, that was some hard moments uh, that I turned my head and was thinking to catch the elevator when people were just running with uh, basically no wind or really backwind and Ooh. hopping into the leap, you know, uh, the glider works, you know, but they use it more of as a jumping device than takeoff. <laughs> <laughs> I was and, lucky. And, what I attempted was kind of okay. <laughs> oh man. Some of those launches, I mean, it was fabulous. The media they did was really incredible. You know, you could see a lot of it and, uh, and then, you know, following all you guys on Instagram and seeing the videos and the launches, they're still coming out now. It, it just, man, it looks pretty tense. I mean, you know, I don't have a, a huge fear of heights, but standing, you know, a foot from that drop off doing a Cobra was, you must have had, your heart must have been racing, buddy. That just looked dicey. That was actually the biggest surprise when we thought we are done with the sketchy part and we, we see the condition get better and was kind of coming front uh, from the building and was clear that we're going to soar there and was like, okay, let's go and just take off. But it was a pretty nightmare because the the, the rotor was so strong, it was not allowing you with a few steps there on the short takeoff to, to pump the glider. You know, we were trying and trying and, and the only option eventually was just taking off from the really edge 
with the cobra <laughs> style, I, I was shitting my pants there because I'm normally on the edge with a parachute that it's folded and it cannot be compromised. But the cobra lunge there, it could go wrong. You know, there is a case that can go wrong and it was very emotional and uh, very special to be part of this event <laughs> for sure. Yeah, and and the you know the dune flying out in the uh, out in the desert. Uh, you know, one I'd I'd love to get some clarification if it's not too uncomfortable. I I didn't understand. You know, I was on your guys' WhatsApp group, so I I could see all the back and forth that was going on that you know the public wasn't privy to. What was what was the negativity stuff that was going on, and what happened with Kriegel's last day? He 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 put up a post that you know because he was really. He and, and Tange were were really in the lead, and he had a, he was in good position going into the last day. And I, from what I could tell from the live tracking thing and the media thing, he he got a little jump on him at that on that second flight, uh, and then he ended up last. And it sounded like it was a decision of I, I didn't understand it. I don't think anybody else did either. He put up a post that said, "Hey, I just I wasn't really I didn't really understand how to how to absorb and." Because you guys were taking some heat for running, having an event in Dubai, but I, I, I never saw any of that stuff. I, I dug around. I couldn't find the comments that you guys were talking about. What, what was happening there? Um, I would uh, like to start from the early on a bit because that was the last day. And in general, we were all very impressed and, uh, and surprised and pretty loaded with the challenge every single day because the challenge was different and we thought that the building is the most difficult one and the sketchy one. But then we had the canyon before the dunes, before the, yeah. the place you mentioned for the go. And the canyon was also pretty interesting and we thought it's gonna be kind of boring and and uh, really simple but everyone have choose different strategy and was very interesting very entertaining very very difficult to to hike this mountain twice i did this mistake to to, to attempt to hiking it twice but it was amazing we could do uh, glides like over 20 kilometer in a lee site over incredible ridges it was very exciting because everyone almost everyone reached the goal and was a really good setup of the locals. Then with the, the moment with the mountain, which is kind of rising from the dunes, but we are more or less flying in a small mountain, which is very sharp, actually. It's even tricky to walk there. That's the stones are sound like glass when you drop a small rock there. It's a very kind of volcanic, strange uh, mountain, very sharp. And we were basically soaring in this mountain with a pretty mellow condition, but sometimes when the wind is more from the left or more on the right, all these small ridges create turbulence. And we were, in fact, racing full bar for an hour, sometimes even more, across these ridges, really low. Sometimes you realize you don't have time to recover from a major collapse, you know. And wow. uh, it happens to have two accidents there. Two, two guys had a crash. Uh, but as well was was a personal decision. You know, no one is telling you to do that. But if you want to follow the herd movement or your blind eye, it could be bad card. You know, and it plays bad for some of us. Steve uh, hurt himself, and I think the Mexican guy as well. Yeah, uh, that was pretty dicey and spicy. And uh, we had a challenge with too many points. I also get lost in the last day. I didn't realize what's happening and I was just 50 meters lower than the first group with them. And then I realized we are not landing there and I have to go back and clear a high voltage, like 10,000 volts. Oof. And I think I did a pretty good decision, but still I cleared it with less than 10 meters. So <laughs> there was a lot of <laughs> things that can go wrong there. And uh, it, they went wrong for some of us, like Aaron wrapped a tree that uh, took that. him hours to take just the glider out of the tree, he lose the leadership, he could have won the event. And then the the last day with the thing of that mistake uh, that happened with Kriegel, we can judge different ways, but we'll never really know exactly. But I, I have a I had the feeling that he just uh, give a chance to the youngster to 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 take their best position, which was very mm. sportive. Because he see the ranking was changing very hectic and uh, he was uh, in fact appearing uh, on top of the ranking by some lucky circumstances as well. And I thought he just want to keep it that way and not winning it. 
Uh, on the he's other way, he's such I an hear... ambassador, isn't he? He's yeah, such, he's, he's amazing. So, he's it doesn't amazing. surprise me. He's a really amazing. He's so he, giving. He's so yeah. open with all of his information. He really wants everybody to be good and better. And he's really uh, yeah, it's his next a level, fatherly sure. figure. I think he's become, isn't he? I mean, even to even people who are older like me, he's just so helpful. Every time I've ever reached out to him, it's he's always accessible. I, I just, yeah, I, I get more and more impressed with Kriegel every year. He's exactly. Really a stellar, exactly. Stellar athlete. Especially one of the days when I, I got lucky to, to get in a heading position in front of everybody because the first group were a bit more aggressive and they just bombed out in front of us. And then I was leading for kind of 20 minutes or something. I was like, wow, they, these guys have to hike and then try to catch me. And then I suddenly, after a few waypoints, I still see Kriegel from below overtaking me. I was like, how that is even possible? I'm on full bar <laughs> constantly. And I didn't bomb out. And he had to hike a mountain and take a better line and fly faster. And he did that. And he won that day. It was amazing. And, and the other the other way that we could read that I hear comments that he mistake as well one of the tuck, uh, he mistake to tuck one of the turn point. But then I don't know. Uh, I don't know what's the really reason. There were some people telling me there was many uh, bad political messages uh, to the French team, why they're there and uh, contributing to this event. I didn't get any of this uh, negative feedback. And in general, I think these guys uh, had a very positive intention and they, they did really expand the vision of the sport and the yeah. experience of these athletes, including me. I was really, really lucky and very grateful to be part of this. But of course, there is always political part that can you know throw yeah. a shadow on everything i try not to focus on that part i hope his decision was not based on political uh, uh, aspects and i believe that his uh, act was more of a sportsman uh, reward to the you know to the young generation coming back so strong coming forward so yeah. strong well, it must have been it must have been terrific you know my my friend logan went over uh and was you know, he's got kind of ex alps aspirations and stuff. And I think it must have been, I mean, you were in the cream of the crop in terms of the, you know, the hike and fly crew these days. I mean, you know, Maxime wasn't there. There were, there were some, you know, Paul wasn't there, but there were some, some big names that weren't there, but for, for the most part, you know, really strong crew. And it just looked like the vibe was amazing. And I, I would imagine, uh, you know, you got to see some of those guys. I mean, even in a very different environment, obviously, than the Alps and the X-Alps, but just how these guys perform. You know, this last X-Alps was, was they're all an eye-opener, you know, but this last one for me, I trained so hard for this last one. I knew it was going to be my last one, and I, I really put everything into it. I have with the other ones too, but from the physical side, cause you know, I, I just, I knew I can't catch up with these guys from the flying side. They're, they fly all the time too. So, you know, I, I, anyway, my point is they're, especially these young guns, they're so good and they're so fast and they're so capable on the ground. You know, I mean, Tange is a beast and, you know, he did that 13,000 something plus meters in a day this year. And he's a really good pilot. Kriegel told me in the, right after the prologue this year that he saw him do things in the Bournes to fly that he and Maxine couldn't do. You know, he, he was pushing into wind, a crazy amount of wind and just kind of fish up streamed, lost his glider through his reserve, landed, packed it up in 10 minutes and kept going. It was just a total non-event. <laughs> you know, definitely was a humbling experience to spend time with these guys because I only follow them online. I didn't really get to know them uh, in the near years, and but for me it was impressive to see how how uh, next level they are in everything. You know, in in every yeah. aspect of the flight, of the preparation, of the strategy, all the moves they did, and the, the energy they had is just. You know, uncomparable. I, I don't have, I think, the the chance to to measure the physical part. I, I just should play better, you know, with the combination of these two. And that was the the reason I participated. If it was X Alps, I would not have any chance. I would not really sign. But this was a small small uh, physical part that allowed me to mix up with these giants. And for me, it was very humbling, very humbling experience. 
since last we talked, Vessel, you're you were you were pretty hardcore and acro the last time we talked, and since we talked, you you broke the infinity record. Uh, but your your focus seems to have switched more heavily into XC. You know, you you won X contest this year, which is a, an amazing feat. You know, you spent last fall down in Brazil and had a whole bunch of big ones. And you're, you're, you just were down at the worlds. Uh, how did, what's happened with this transition? Is that just kind of the natural flow or was that, did that just happen kind of, you just had more focus on an XC cause it was fun or tell me about it. Uh, this, this, this uh, interesting transition, I can just call it life. You know, it's, I it was not really planned. It was uh, kind of a natural thing because uh, as more as I was uh, obsessed with the acro, as less I had the time and access to practice it uh, properly. And then I started the company as well with a, with a harness, which is just hanging here behind me, you know, yep. and uh, it's as much as I really wanted to train, there was no time. And, you know, I'm based in Sofia, so I have to be always on travel. And that, that was kind of the reason that naturally shift me to cross country. Cross country is more accessible without uh, such a big demand, you know, to spend the time. You know, I can use the the experience from the past to to help me to fly good Hikse. And uh, I did that in Brazil. We were so lucky with Paul to explore uh, the possibilities once again in uh, Corona times. We were there having the time of our life. You know, the world was almost shut down. We were uh, welcome, warm from any from every family there. We land in the middle of nowhere. You know how it is there. That was so special. Yeah, Sir Tao and, special. Um, there was a couple of good pilots, but not many pilots. So that was also one of the reasons probably allow me to, to go on the top of the ranking of XC contest, which was still not a, it was not a plan back then, but just happened. And I was very happy, you know, my dream was to, to cross 500 and it was so hard that year was uh, not easy. We didn't have winds. It was just a few days and I bombed out in the most beautiful day of my life ever since i fly it was like so good <laughs> we were moving with a better uh, checkpoints than the world record so it was logically that we're gonna have something big in the basket but then i bump out in the best looking sky in 12 o'clock you know in 300 kilometer oh. <laughs> like it was so painful <laughs> and my buddy Paul and uh, maurice the german pilot they continue but way more conservatively after this bomb out they they get stressed a bit and they keep a different line to score a declarate goal as well. So they missed the 600 probably in that day, which, which was possible. And I had to overcome mentally this trauma and uh, go exhausted on the way back, almost uh, in the middle of the night, have just a few hours sleep and try again on the next day, completely alone, man. <laughs> that was so funny. Nobody <laughs> wanted to take off with me. It was getting late. It was almost eight o'clock, uh, really blue, no wind. I was like, what the heck I'm doing? But it's my last day of really a chance. The, then the forecast was shit and everyone was leaving. So, and my, myself as well. And I try, and I think that's the, the, the example of how powerful can be the human brain wave of desiring something. I, I believe that mm. sometimes we have a little part of this creation because the day was really no nonsense. It was pathetic day and in and i was crawling over the ground super slow with a late takeoff and then suddenly the condition just explode explode like in the fairy tale and i could go so fast like like a like an angry dog you know like full gas leaving leaving every thermal which is less than six meter you know just surfing Whoa. the convergency with very little turning for more than 200 kilometers. And then suddenly I compensate the late start and all of that. And I realized, find myself in a proper position to, to have a 500. And it was very emotional, very rewarding because many people believe in me and send me positive messages. And, and I think all that cr create the magic and I got my best flight in the last day of the staying. <laughs> <laughs> that was like wow. it's crazy because it's the three time in the row i've been three times chasing big flights in brazil and i get my best flight in a similar situation which is kind of rare but same time they have a statistic and this guy always told me people make their best flight in the first day or in the last day and i'm like oh okay <laughs> well okay and it's played the same for me for three times 
You know, I, I think it's wrong for us to have these checkpoints when we're going for big distance because you know larry tudor the 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 dark prince taught me something years ago before i went down to texas he said you know i was asking him you know because he'd spent a lot of time in zapata and trying to break the record there and and he'd done it from hobbs way back in the day and i said hey you know what's the secret you know because it's 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 such a waiting game it's not like brazil in texas you know texas is as uh, there's a lot more waiting around and it's brutal. It's hot and there's nowhere, there's nothing to do. And it's tough. It's a tough waiting game. And, and he said, you have to try every day. Don't pay attention to the weather. You have to give it a shot, give it a try. And I still kick myself. Our very first attempt there again, like you said, first day I was with Donna Jette and he's the king, right? He's the king. Of, he's been with those guys, the Brazilian team, to break the record, I don't know, three or four times. And, you know, it was it was just a little bit slower start than what he would have liked. And so we were 160K out, and, man, the sky was epic. And he decided, nah, let's save our energy. Let's go land. And uh, it took over an hour to get to the ground. It was just hoovering and windy, and it was scary sketchy trying to get to the ground. I just kept thinking, man, it'd be a lot easier to just, you know, and we had some overdevelopment to, to win, you know, to windward. So we would have been getting chased by that, but it was dicey. And we ended up landing next to a prison and we almost got arrested and, and it was just traumatic and ended up taking more energy to just get to the ground that it would have been to just fly another 200 K and, and had a pretty good day. So would we have broken the record? Who knows? But I still kick myself for that because, you know, you just, you never know. You could, when you read Will Gads, um, you know, the day before, uh, or was it the day after, you know, the day before he got the record was even better apparently. And, you know, the day he got the record, he was late and, you know, he wasn't really in a very good headspace and, and it wasn't very good conditions and it was blue and all these things. And then boom. You know, nine hours later, he's got the record or wherever it was. And so, yeah, I, I don't know. I think we have to hang in there. It's it, it's hard because you're always balancing this. Well, if I go and I get back late and then tomorrow it's going to be tough. But it seems like you just got to give it a try. Yeah, I mean, probably logistically in Texas, the situation is different. And that can, you know, make you choose this strategy in Brazil. It's quite easy to to try almost every day. First, the weather is way more consistent and uh, the retrieval is so getting more efficient every year. You know, these guys are mm. getting bigger cars, faster cars, which is actually crazy on the way back. Sometimes you feel in a greater danger than, than the flight. Yeah. But uh, we yeah. were trying like this, you say, every day. I had two, two times, like three days in a row without sleep, more than 400 almost every time. I, I remember one of the landing I land and I couldn't make step. I fall like a bag of potato. And I was like, what? Like I was looking for some dark force which pushed me on the ground, but it was just no more battery, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think uh, only the desire uh, for such a, you know, adventure can uh, drive you through such an exhausting phase. Otherwise, if you have to be paid to do that or any other reason, I think you wouldn't make it. We were like mm. uh, like a mad you know junkies about this, and it was crazy experience. Yeah, I think I think that's maybe one of the misunderstandings about chasing you know these 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 records is it's you really have to, or at least for me, I found that you have to go in with the mindset that you're going to work. You know, it's it ain't going to be easy. It, it's it's tough. You know, it's it's long days, long nights, early mornings, a lot of wind, you know, there's usually a lot of stress involved with the launch and stuff. I've never done the the Keiko, you know, that area. I've never done the towing. I've only done Tsushima and you know, I'll tell you, Tsushima was was hardcore. I was back when they were usually using that as the as the start and you know, the weather reports, the forecast meant nothing literally, you know, so you had to try every day and you're getting out there in the dark. And, and the launch is sketchy, you know, it's really windy and, uh, you know, the chance of getting blown back is pretty high and it's just, it's just brutal. You know, you, you see a lot of carnage and so that's stressful. And then, and then you, you get up and if you get established there, you kind of wait to get a little bit higher and then you got to clear a 40 K plateau right on the deck. You know, it's just super low and the cloud base 
early in the morning is never high because you're quite close to the ocean. And, you know, it's just 90, it seems like, I think when they did the record in 2015, they were there for 39 days and flew three, you know? So, I mean, it's most of the time you're back at the hotel by 8 a.m. You know, even yeah. if you've had a flight, you're back at the hotel at 8 a.m. There's no internet. There's nothing to do. <laughs> the food's not great. And it's like, man, oh. it's brutal. It's brutal. <laughs> the future there is too big. As you say, the, the statistic, it's, it's uh, really not fun. Uh, I think even now that the, the number is raising to 600 plus in the States, which is amazing and huge respect. Cut downs for, for the guy and for everyone who helped him. It's really amazing. But now I think the Brazilians and all the foreigners that go there, even if I go there myself again, I think we should try to fly uh, something between Quixada and the towing area around the Rio Grande and Norte Asu and Caico. Because uh, starting closer to the sea, you, you have to pass the plateau still because the 600 plus it's over the plateau, even close, starting from the ocean, you know, from Tasima. So mean that yeah. you're arriving with the last bit of conditions in almost in a pitch black with a thousand meter plateau. It's really, it's very complicated. I think it's way more uh, not, uh, better to use the plateau as a trampoline, you know, to, to use mm. it to arrive like around uh, two o'clock, three o'clock, when it's really still pumping, and then continue 200k or after the plateau. This is, I think, the better uh, chance for for Brazil to believe to cross but, 600. But don't you, if you if you start further in, won't you run into the jungle? No, a uh, friend of mine, Leonardo Padua, uh, he flew, I think. Uh, with Aspen's 450 and from the Quixada and also with the Enzo 2, he flew 485 from the takeoff of Quixada. So, yeah. So, so there's still there some is, room to work there. So if you come, if you come like 200K east and yeah. start, I see what you're saying. So between yeah, Quixada. Instead yeah. of making 220K before Quixada, you have to make just 110 maybe. Ah, and then continue okay. with a with a really high altitude cloud base and a really sweet conditions uh, rather than surviving early morning close to this madness to the sea and then still arriving uh, with uphill terrain. That's, I think, yeah. the only trick is you will need a really windy day because uh, the first, the, the, the big bonus starting close to the sea that you have the strong wind, which is uh, from one side terrifying, but from other side gives you the kilometers. So you have to have a really strong day that it's having a wind already from the in inland, pretty serious wind. But there are some days with such a condition. Mm. You said before we started recording uh, that this last year, I don't know, probably because of some of it, because of Corona and just travel and that kind of thing, but um, you kind of went inward. You know, you, you, you had the Brazil stuff last fall. And then you, because it was hard to do comps and stuff this year, um, you spent some more time just jumping, which you called very stress-free. I find that hysterical. <laughs> it's my, uh, so jumping off cliffs is just kind of taking it easy. It's a therapy it? for me. It's, it's like, uh, you know, my kind of, uh, you know, uh, meeting the, the, the service that straighten your, you know, mind. For me, jumping is doing this job. But uh, yeah, in general, I felt realistically uh, quite distant from my normal schedule and from my goals to compete on a world level in the few disciplines, but mainly acro. I didn't have time to train. And uh, because of the development of the harness, I lose a lot of you know uh, training hours in front of, behind of the guys. And I didn't try to catch up, you know, I just like the, the stage I am. And I, I decided to give some peace, uh, peace of mind and just hike the mountain, not use thermals, use my own legs because I'm getting older, not, we're not getting younger. And I wanted to, <laughs> to earn every altitude, every meter in the mountain with my two legs. And then of course, take the, the cherry and jump from the mountain. That was, that was my therapy for months. I was very inspired and ready standby to fly cross country. I had my Enzo spend like two months almost in the car, but uh, couldn't register on time for the comps. And uh, I had to move uh, through the schedule somehow still, and uh, I couldn't catch the good days for flying. I was about to catch up with Timo 
which is, by the way, one of the most impressive uh, cross-country bird rising so young and so good already. Uh, who? He was doing some... Uh, Timo, who is now winning the exe contest by a record number. This year right. he smashed it completely. Uh, he makes so many big flights and he's so young. Uh, so I was about to join him last summer there, but there was always some complication with the travel, with the corona. I was trying to stay closer to the to the Acro gang, you know, I, I sponsor them now. I support them a, a bit with the harness. They help me with the R&D. And uh, I just start to feel a different uh, center of gravity for me now. It's, no, it's not about uh, proving anymore anything. It's more about uh, contributing and, and enjoying and sharing with the community. And how does it work with Red Bull now? Is it if you're if you're not competing in Acro, is that is that part of the contract, or they don't really care? Is it more just um, you know because you're you're still out there capturing great content, and I don't know where you get all these great pictures from. You got somebody in your back pocket taking all these cool shots all the time. You're awesome to follow on on Instagram. I I, I love it. I'm not a big social media fan in general, but I I sure like following you on Instagram. Thanks for the last, Gavin. Yeah, definitely. I'm lucky to have some friends with a really good eye and motivated to hike all these mountains. Some crazy friends from Bulgaria with strong legs are responsible <laughs> for the good images. And in general, for Red Bull, uh, there is no really direct pressure, but of course, they are requiring you to be on a high level and to be engaged to a competition scene. And I'm trying to do that uh, as a shift to the cross country, but I, I present myself very poorly this year because... I come with no training straight from Brazil, like more than one year, almost no flying before Argentina. <laughs> you know, it was it was a bit naive to expect the high result because you need to tune up your hand, head. You know, technically yeah. we are good, but just the way of the competition flying is a very specific. And uh, I was a bit, uh, you know, down from that that I couldn't uh, rank myself properly. But I see that my skills are. Uh, enough to run myself good if I don't make silly mistake, mistakes, you know. Uh, and uh, that was still a very good um, motivation for me and belief that I can shift my uh, career more to cross-country. Just less demanding and the flight is uh, is kind of a bit more rewarding when you don't train so much and you receive such an amazing flight. You know, for Acro to receive amazing feeling, you need to train. Otherwise, you will scare yeah. yourself or hurt yourself. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a bit. It's just a bit more easy for me to keep up, you know, with the world class. Uh, and now I get this new inspiration from the hike and fly. I don't know if I will ever join the elite, but uh, I'm really trying to keep myself more fit and uh, paraglide in a world class level, at least for distance flying, you know, for projects. And uh, we'll try to do some high mountain now uh, in combination with flying. It's all about exploring uh, new territory and mixing it up, capturing it good with the story inside. I think in the end that's very important for Red Bull and for all the sponsors I have, luckily. Yeah, it'd be fun to see you in, in some of the, you know, the the other hike and fly races. My my buddy Ben, who's supported me in all the X Alps thus far, four of them, he's he's just signed up for the Dolomiti, you know, in, in August and uh you know, some of that stuff, I, I'd, I'd like to, you know, the X Alps, I think is just too much for me now going forward, but I'd love to still participate in some of the smaller, shorter events. They're still very intense, but they're, uh, you know, the Iger and the Verco and that stuff just looks so fun. Exactly. And the vibe was different as, as a new uh, newbie there. I could see the difference because I've been joining so many in the past uh, events in Acro and in cross country there you know the vibe sometimes is, is fluctuating you know it could be stressful for most of the guys you know who have ambitions and go and failing them and so on but but in the hiking fly no matter what was your rank everyone was smiling and positive till the end it was a kind of a really a joyful experience of the sort of we are chasing in our projects you know it was really mm -hmm. different i don't know if it's like this in excel but that was very uh, touching for me to experience to explore yeah, it, it it is a it is a neat community, isn't it? And it, especially in something like the X Alps, we all kind of know we're going to war, and and it's dangerous going to war. And you you know everybody's kind of looking out for everybody. You know, it's it's a real it's. I had this beautiful experience with uh, 
Lori, Lori, when yeah. she when she she got really scared uh, um, for out of when she left uh, Lermoose and had to throw a reserve and uh, to miss these high tension power lines. And I had this beautiful moment with her and Fish at the Fish turn point when she decided to just that was that was it for her that she was she'd had an amazing race and you know just seeing her her eyes and, and just feeling this kind of um, relief of the stress. And I don't know, it, it, I'm not describing it very well, but you know, we're all in, we're all in this, we're all in this experience together and we're having very different experiences, but you're all in it together. And most of the time the X-Ops you're alone, you're very rarely with anybody else, but, um, but it's, uh, yeah, it's special. Yeah. I I can say the same for me was absolutely the same, very inspiring and very, everyone is engaged and looking after each other, as you said, and I'm very looking forward to join some future smaller events like this that will enable me to to keep up at least a little bit, you know, with the best because they're so ahead, man. They're like, uh, you know, machines. I, I cannot even they are. understand how yeah. how the body can work so well, but uh, I guess they've been practicing before. <laughs> yeah, the level is just, it's it's on a curve that I can't keep up with. It's it's really impressive. Tell me about your harness. I got a good look at it from Dylan Benedetti. I did a bunch of uh, acro training with him this, this spring, getting ready for the race out in California, and he showed me your harness. It looks wicked, yeah, but d- describe it for those who aren't aware of it yet. It's, it's sitting next to you there, but uh cool, pit, cool piece of kit, man. Yeah. This harness was uh, born purely from a desire to have the, the perfect seat, the perfect harness for, for what we do for the safety, for the comfort, you know, for all the special uh, parts that the industry was kind of negligent about because they, they're not really necessarily related to any profit. And uh, that put me to this naive project. It took me almost three years with the hard work of four or five friends around me, countless hours of uh, R&D and testing and uh, making prototypes. And now we can say that we have something very complete and still improving, but now the harness, uh, you, you can see it hanging here. It has a really solid structure, very comfortable uh, support from every side. It's not going to hurt your body from pushing any hard maneuver. And uh, you can customize it in a different style of flying that normally conventional harness will not support. And of course, having the three rescue parachute was a dream. Not only having three of them, but also having them in a different position because sometimes, you know, when we're in the lines, in a dangerous situation, you don't have access if you're wrapped uh, around your legs, even if you have two under your legs. So we have mm. uh, all the parachute in different position, which give additional safety, feeling for the head, you know. Uh, it, it has a good, uh, better balance distribution of the weight, better protection, because if you hit without the rescue or deployment, it's still like a protector. They have many, many extras. It's a long talk to to involve every extra, but in general, it was something created from a pilot to the pilots without any mm. commercial uh, intention. And of course, now we're trying to sell some of them to to support this project further on. Uh, the idea is to support these athletes, the acro athletes, in a real level, uh, like giving them the best equipment and and being. Uh, able to use their knowledge and expertise to expand the the functionality and safety of this product because many times you know the industry sometimes support athletes but they kind of kind of uh, shallow relation you know and the development is not really boosted properly by the athletes which can happen you know we see that in all the other sports which are with more money involved of course somehow it's easier for mm. these guys but for us it's been always a gap between the industry and the needs, you know, and the knowledge in that. Let's so now we want to merge this boat and be on an infinite journey for improving this kind of equipment, spreading it in a different discipline as well, uh, making for cross country in the near future, making active protection system, you know, just being very close to the interest of the pilots. And we hope that yeah. we can sustain financially this uh, project going. And it's got the whole cutaway system, correct? The one in the center is kind of a base rig? Yes, we we, we really experiment a lot, but now we come back to the conventional uh, 
three ring uh, mechanism which is actually patent from the 40 something now it's free for everyone to use uh, the only thing that this system uh, is lacking is the special uh, ring carabiner that doesn't exist yet in the industry we use this uh, kind of good looking shackles that are fitting well but they are still thicker and too much strong that what we we don't need to be so thick you know we're preparing um, to have our own carabiner specially made as a proper ring with a separate uh, shoulder for the riser on top that will really give the you know the, the icing on the cake you know we have many things to polish you think you can you can cr cross this technology over into a pod setup too it'll be a it'll be a cross country option as well yes yes definitely for for the peace of mind uh, i think it's good to have it in the cross country but the, i think it's more of a of a, you know cross country like uh, when you're pushing on your own not really to give you additional safety for a gaggle flying because i was thinking so much about the risk and the safety of the gaggle flying but then then it's very complicated to have a clear deployment if you're in the middle of the gaggle and so on. It's more about your own safety when you're taking risk in a mm. sketchy line in a you know lower altitude with some uh, rough terrain that you want a clear deployment as fast as possible and way to steer away from the terrain. That will be real real safety bonus and we we believe we can develop it in the near future. What's the name of it? Uh, of the pot Yep. No, your their harness. Oh no, the name of the harness is 3RS. We give this kind of technical name because it's uh, communicating with the three rescue parachute and with the three ring system. So it's just okay. giving name for the extras inside. Uh, yeah, we we make many many amazing features like the custom make buckles. We we design them on a CNC machine, cut them from aviation aluminium. And they're really strong. They never release the grip. You know, we, we used to stitch our harness uh, doing acro and taping it with duct tape to keep the position. Now it's all set. But we have many things to improve and, uh, on the track, you know, to make a color code custom uh, mix webbing with Dinema. You know, many details that just require time and a lot of money. In the beginning, I was like, oh, we're going to do it with just with pocket money so far. I don't want to say big word, but we've been throwing money almost for an apartment, you know, and uh, three years of working with no salary. And this thing can take hundreds of thousands easily. It can slow, you know, the development oh, is man, so much. so complicated. I look at them and go, how in the world do you... I hope uh, I will manage to keep the crew because it's difficult without uh, financing. There are some interest people want to finance the company in the company, but they're just pure commercial and I'm not really keen to share yet with them uh, the the company. And maybe at some point we will even talk to the community as a open investment, like how you say, not Kickstarter, GoFundMe or something, you know, just to yeah. keep the spirit because I think uh, it starts like this and will be very pity to to disappear or to be sold to some commercial company that just look profit. Yeah. Good for you, man. And oh, I I I got I got a chance to sit in it and play with it when I was out with Dylan. It looks a beautiful piece of kit. It's gorgeous. It's getting better every time, so hope that you can yeah. see some some of the latest version. It's a constant improvement. I thought we're going to do harness because you do one model and you can keep it 10 years on the market. This is what I've seen, you know, from the industry. But it's not yeah. like this because I'm never satisfied and I don't want to yeah. keep even two months the same thing because you can improve it every day. Sure, of course. It's, it's like, growing a, yeah, like growing my own kid, you know. I'm still not a biological father, so this is my kid. <laughs> Looking after <laughs> <laughs> you snuggle at night, yeah. talk to her nicely in the morning. I spend a lot of I hours with, my new with him, you know, hanging together, talking about this and that, you know, finding unique extras in re relation between. Hey, uh, rewinding to the worlds and, and XC and competing and race to gold type stuff. Um, you mentioned you know, before we started talking, before we started recording that, you know, you were, you weren't really tuned up going into this cause you hadn't been competing that much. And, but you found that, you know, for the most part, you could hang with the, with the lead guys just if, if, until you made a mistake. Talk about mistakes. Cause I think a lot of folks struggle with that. 
you know, what kind of mistakes are the ones that get you, get you repeatedly, you know, are they, are they up in here? What, what, I just think, talk about uh, mistakes a little I, bit. In these events, I, I really refresh my mind and re-educate again on the same topic that it's been so painful in the past when you do the same, same mistakes. Uh, basically, the, the biggest and the worst mistake that can ruin your flying and your score is just trying to to be too aggressive, you know, just trying to believe blindly that it's going to work, you know, without a clear um, sign that you're choosing the better option, you know. And I, I, I get both on these events. Sometimes I was choosing completely different uh, decision from the main group, from the gaggle, and we even find ourselves with Pal in one of those moments, just like, what the heck, Pal? Why, why, why you're here? Why you're here? Why, why we're not there? It was like, yeah, yeah, because they're going in the shadow, right? This is not good. And here is the sun on the left. It's of course, of course. But then we start hucking four meter thermal and hopping from cloud to cloud and just overtake the main gaggle by far. Easy, you know, but that was, that was a one good decision, but bad decision was just trying to run without a plan. Just, just mm. going, you know, just going because mm. you feel like you're thermaling good, you're gliding good, you don't feel upset about anything today and just keep pushing and pushing and blindly. Like that was the thing that really put me on the ground, slow me down. And then I had to survive and uh, crawl after the, you know, the last guy on the go. That was really stupid mistake. Don't try to push without a plan. You can push mm. when you see a clear clear path you know and uh, explaining yourself why always have to ask yourself why if you're just pushing because you blindly believe not gonna work That's <laughs> and the advice. other thing the other the other the other advice is we have difference in the in the performance of the equipment according to sizes and stuff and uh, sometimes i was upset to see that i'm just slightly bit uh, you know in a dis disadvantage because i'm flying small size but, you know, even though, even though I, I, I make a stupid decision to change completely the course and try to fly in an individual line, just to feel better, you know. But, okay, you can feel better for a while because you're not gliding worse than anyone around you. But if you don't have a plan why you're going there, just because you want to feel better, you're going to end up bad again. Everything <laughs> is just come to the discipline what is good, what is bad, you know, what is risky, what is stupid, what is, what is good to do. And simple, mm. simple things, nothing genius, you know, simple. I think, you know, watching Russ win that is cements for me, you know, his word is discipline. He always talks about that. You got to have discipline, discipline, discipline. discipline. And that cements for me. It's, it seemed like, especially there, because it was, uh, I, I flew there the year, whatever that was two years ago for the world cup down there. And I think we had pretty similar conditions. It was a lot of rain, a lot of cloud, a lot of really slow climbs, just painfully slow. And that's, that's not the kind of flying that I experience here in Sun Valley. You know, everything here is always really strong. And so it was really a, a total, you had to almost meditate on, on just slowing down and not taking a lot of risk and being disciplined. It was, it's a, it's a different Hats kind of down. place to race. It's a really essential, uh, spectrum word that can really describe the whole blah, blah, you know, discipline was something that when I was applying, I was doing really good. Maybe not mm. really ahead of in front of the people, but I was doing really good. And if I sustained that every day, I was going to end up really good. As the moment I turn emotional, things go to heck. And uh, he proved that because one of, he catch me one of the days he won task after uh, a poor experiment to escape from the gaggle because I was on top and slightly in front. I was like, okay, see you guys, bye bye along. Miss the line of the lift find myself on the floor. They flew over me with a little zigzag. And I was like, whoa, what I was thinking, you know? And I end up alone behind. And then I see, okay, Russ is coming from even far behind me and even lower. I was like, okay, let's keep with this flying God, you know? Just keep up with him. And then then I told, because he starts really uh, catching me and eventually catch me and uh, climb better than me in the thermal, which I, I, I kind of, uh, kind of 
break my uh, concentration. I was like, how this is possible? I was really trying my best. But of course, <laughs> he was better somehow. And he, he did that. And then on a glide, he won a bit better uh, altitude as well. So our separation started to be, you know, kind of visible. We are not really in the same air mass, but still, if I keep discipline and just following the good line, not trying to find another, you know, invisible, much better, which was obviously not existing. I just did that. I tried to, okay, find another line to 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 get ahead, you know, and then keep up again with him. And I get again super low and he won the task with few moves after that. You just keep discipline, the best yeah. guy. And don't compare Patience. as well. Sometimes comparing can really break your mind, you know. Don't compare. Always just do your best and stick discipline to the best plan according to the picture you're seeing. Don't try to be emotional. And if you can do that over and over again, you'll be probably very good. <laughs> mm. But but again, flying is related to bring us emotion and controlling this emotion is kind of a controversial reason why we're in the sky, you know, isn't it? So that's the big, yeah, big, 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 big challenge. Yeah, the whole point of what we're doing, <laughs> yes. isn't it? I know. That's the big it's challenge. It's a hard you know? balance. God, yes. it's a hard balance. <laughs> so... Yeah, it's uh, it's it's something that it, we would try to master our life in in any aspect of life. It's just discipline, you know. Mm. Uh, imagine what is more important, you know, the to prove in that certain moment that you can do it, or just be emotional and believe that you can do it anyway. But then that this can hurt you because that's what happened with me and with many pilots. They're like, hey, anyway, we bomb out. It's no big deal. But when when you do that in a few times, you feel bad. You know, <laughs> it hurts. <laughs> it is an emotional roller coaster, that's for sure. I mean, it, it's so easy in, in twenty twenty hindsight to look back and go, yeah, the whole thing. You just got to be calm and not kick your helmet, and you know, and, and it does. You know, you always see the the really good guys. They bomb out, and it doesn't seem to bother them, but. When it comes down to it, we're we're humans. We got an ego, and man, it could be hard to get the beat down, especially when it's you know a few days in a row. I did that down Roldo a few years ago. I had a really good year one year there, and the next year I went down. Ah, I'm gonna crush it, and boom, boom, you know. Oh, it's just oh, yeah. And I, <laughs> I gotta got do this again tomorrow. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> also, get a few very very strong uh, lessons in Argentina. Uh, surprisingly, the the good one, the good one was in La Rioja, where we were flying beyond my uh, experience. Even when I fly in Brazil in the strong condition, following the wind over these wild territories, was in a way more comfortable what I experienced in La Rioja during the World Cup, because we were flying like 40 kilometer almost square, really vast area with just bush. Not a very life-threatening, but bush and spikes and uh, small trees and nothing, no landing. And you're going to walk like a wild pig for, for probably days to get out of there. <laughs> and we're flying over this territory with a 40K headwind, not following the wind. Jeez. And oh. I thought, this is insane or completely impossible. And we close tasks like this. And I thought I seen strong condition in one of those days. I was really emotionally exhausted. And in the end, I started my final glide 500 meter minus, you know, 10K from the goal. I was like, oh, anyway, it's going to work somehow. I arrived 2,500 meter over the goal. It was impossible <laughs> to go down. And on full bar, 10 kilometer on full bar, I gained 3,000 meter up straight. Jeez. People were sucked in airspace and disqualified this day. They Pitoku that. missed to lose to win the competition that day because he got zero points. It was brutal. And I didn't have collapse. We were handling this condition somehow, flying in the lee side of a big mountain over these bushes. No problem. Just concentration, being an animal turned to a beast. You manage somehow. And then the opposite. I go to, uh, to Tucuman in this uh, kindergarten jungle, you know, flying tra-la-la <laughs> over the jungle, very low, very smooth. I almost die in the training day. My Enzo, the, for the first time, I changed maybe four or five Enzos so far, flown them in any kind of condition, rough condition. I never get this ugly collapse with no shoot. Normally, I I, I fly with the mentality that if my glider moves, I'm going to get it. I'm like a black mm -hmm. mamba. 
I have the reflex like putting something in your eye and I'm going to blink before, you know, for sure. I, I believe in that. And that's why I go to fly every day with no stress because I believe in that. But the glider yeah. disappear without moving forward. Just go go down like, like a domino. It falls to my head. Really big uh, frontal moving to the side, getting an instant cravat while folding. You know, the slack of the brakes back then is so big. You you don't have six yeah. meter arm to, to control any of this, yeah. you know. So you just do something, but it's nothing. And then you just wait to load the glider when it's already with a huge cravat. I didn't even look on the side. Just barely with the, my periphery, but I knew that I'm low and I'm not going to save time looking down. So I stole the wing immediately and I recovered it. Uh, as fast as I can it was really like a cascade, bam, 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 and open. No waste of time, but I was 20 meters over a huge area of power lines. <laughs> you oh know, God. I could have died there without doing anything extreme. They're just cruising smoothly over the jungle. So my, my message to the fellow pilots and all the people there that might listen to us, just never put 100% confidence in your gear uh, for no reason, you know, if, if it's like mm. maybe the reason that you evaluate is enough, okay. But if you are just, uh, you know, not expecting it, that's 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 problem because I was not expecting such a collapse in, in place like this with no serious turbulence, with no nothing, you know, to prevent, to alert. You know, paragliding in the end can be a dodgy sport and always give yourself some room from the ground except if you're not shooting on sunset and if you're really mentally prepared. And the terrain have to be chosen. You know, this was the ugly part of the terrain with no rescue backup options. If you throw rescue or no rescue, you're dead over this power line. So so choose your terrain when you're close to ground, man. <laughs> Jeez, man. I mean, that's a great story, but I hate those stories. I, I know. I just, you man, just I, me too. I was, I, I was it, affected hours after the landing. I couldn't get scared, but when I landed, I was like, Jeez, I, I could have died. <laughs> oh, it sucks. I hate, I, I just, I don't like that part of our sport and that, that there is that randomness that, you know, there's nothing it's small. I, I don't know if you heard, but I had a, I had a, my first crash in May. It was two weeks before the, the race and the listeners who've listened to the show have heard about this. I won't go through it again, but it was the same thing. I took off and it was early in the morning. It wasn't that thermic yet. And I had no there was no red flags, nothing. Yeah. There wasn't, you know, I was, except that I was flying in Sun Valley. It's always, you know, a little rowdy here, but you know, it was, I, I was way overloaded on my glider is kind of the only thing I could think, but I hit some weird air and, and I was a hundred feet off the ground and the wing just disappeared instantly into an auto rotation. And I had just done all that work with Dylan and I'm on my light, light kit, you know, I've got one reserve and I just thought I can't throw my reserve until I get this straightened out. And anyway, I, it, it worked out. I hit the ground incredibly hard. You know, I, the reserve popped and I hit the deck. And so it did enough to save my life, but it was, you know, it was really, it was the, the head scratchy part was just what the fuck just happened right there. How did that, you know, all the hours I've flown and all the rowdy conditions and four X Alps and what just hit me, what, what just did that to my glider? And, uh, yeah, that's what I don't like about the sport is just the, you know, when you're ridge soaring and you take a collapse on the inward side, not a lot you can do, you know, you heard like, about those guys in the, in the Descentis world in this, in the super final this year, you know, they all said, the guys I talked to just said, you know, it was pretty dicey, just racing right on these cliff edges, full bar. Uh, you know, even Kriegel would have a hard time recovering if something went wrong in that situation. And yeah, that's, what, that's there, what makes gives me the heebie-jeebies about the sport. It's just, there's, there's that factor too. We've got enough factors. <laughs> yeah, I, I heard that he had a spicy situation there, actually, similar to what we described, you know, last minute, last second call. But I think this is the factor of bad luck and this is existing in every aspect of life. And of course, you're mm -hmm. more, more likely to meet this factor when you're doing every day what you love to do, you know, not like on the street. It's it's accepted part of life, but it sucks. <laughs> yeah, it does suck. There's not much more to say about it, is there? I mean, just it's just part yeah. of it. Yeah, like the snowboarder yeah. 
there was an article a few weeks, a few days ago, I think a very good snowboarder uh, just passed away on the ski piste like Schumacher, just hit his head, but, you know, boom. And he used to be a guy making thousand, uh, you know, big rotations over his head and doing this on the icy blue jumps. No problem. And he just, you know, it, it's, it's, yeah, yeah it's a, it's a tricky one, but, uh, if we be beware and, and be more caution uh, on a situation that doesn't require our attention, I think that's the best insurance. Yeah. And a good place to end. Vesso, it's so awesome always catching up with you. We should we should make this a yearly event at least. I I have really enjoyed uh, you know, kind of getting to know you via your posts all these years since we had our last talk. And where did we see each other last time? We were we were at that event in near uh Garda. You were the king of the air thing, I think was the last time I saw you. But I hope mm -hmm. we catch up with one of these hike and fly races, maybe in the future. It was so cool to see you on the, on the roster for Dubai. And I was really looking forward to catching up with you there and having a beer with you and, and watching those young guns go to, go to town. But um, congratulations on all the success this year and the X contest win and, and having some fun. Well done and good luck with the harness. Thank you, Gavin. For me, it's a great pleasure to hang out with you and, deeply inspired by the stuff you do and I'm sure you're far from done and I look forward to see you in the States or somewhere in the skies, really. Sounds good. If you find the cloud-based mayhem valuable, you can support it in a lot of different ways. You can give us a rating on iTunes or Stitcher or however you get your podcast. That goes a long ways and helps spread the word. You can blog about it on your own website or share it on social media. You can talk about it on the way up to launch with your pilot friends. I know a lot of interesting conversations have happened that way. And of course, you can support us financially. This show does take a lot of time, a lot of editing, a lot of storage and music and all kinds of behind the scenes costs. So if you can support us financially, all we've ever asked for is a buck a show. And you can do that through a one-time donation through PayPal, or you can set up a subscription service that charges you for each show that comes out. We put a new show out every two weeks. So, for example, if you did a buck a show and every two weeks, it'd be about $25 a year. So way cheaper than a magazine subscription, and it makes all of this possible. Uh, I do not want to fund this show with advertising or sponsors. We get asked about that uh, pretty frequently, but I for a whole bunch of different reasons, which I've said many times on the show, I don't want to do that. I don't like having that stuff at the front of the show. And I also want you to know that these are authentic conversations with real people. And these are just our opinions, but our opinions are not being skewed by sponsors or advertising dollars. I think that's a pretty toxic business model. So I hope you dig that. Um, you can support us. If you go to cloudbasedmayhem.com, you can find the places to support. You can do it through patreon.com forward slash cloudbasedmayhem. If you want a recurring subscription, you can also do that directly through the website. Uh, we've tried to make it really easy, and that will give you access to all the bonus material, little video casts that we do and extra little uh, nuggets that we find in conversations that don't make it into the main show, but we feel like you should hear. We don't put any of that behind a paywall. If you can't afford to support us, then just let me know and I'll set you up with an account, of course, that'll be lifetime. And hopefully in a, you're being in a position someday to be able to support us. But you'll find all that on the website. Uh, all of you who have supported us or even joined our newsletter or bought Cloud-Based Mayhem merchandise, t-shirts or hats or anything, you should be all set up. You should have an account. And you should be able to access all that bonus material now. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate your support. And we'll see you on the next show. Thank you.